This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. Shall answer. Welcome to Light the Beacons, Lotro podcast focusing on the Kixotic MMORPG Lord of the Rings Online, as well as related topics in books, movies, gaming, and the lore of Gerarar Tokian. This is episode number 18. I can vote, and I'm your host, Brag of the Lonely Mountain, star of the show, and dwarf of ill repute. This week, due to some <clears throat> technical difficulties, we have temporarily moved LTB Middle Earth Wide Headquarters and are currently broadcasting live via remote satellite from Budcool Beckon. Some of you remem- may remember this location from the one poorly designated Redstone Loads Discovery Deed. Um, it's in the north- northeast corner of the map, and I recall jumping about the base of the hill trying to get the location to register without success uh, before discovering you had to run around through the back of Nud Melek to find it, which at the time was uh, quite a gauntlet to run since I was of the level of the Redstone Loads and not of Nud Melek. As it turns out, Budkul Bekin is a wonderful, um, is a wonderful balcony overseeing the the beautiful expanse of the Redhorn Loads. I can see out across the buildings in the center. I can uh, almost see around the corner to the Gate of Ruin, which leads to the Grand Stairs. Uh, it's nearby, the one of the leaping locations from the Gate of Ruin leading to the Grand Stairs that is necessary for the Blind Leaper title, uh, which some of you may have acquired. Um, jumping southwards off of uh, off the approach to the Grand Stairs is one of the locations that you can find out there for that. Uh, thanks. I've completed that deed finally sometime last year, thanks to a, a great guide that's out um, published by Whiteberry, I believe, who unfortunately is no longer playing the game with us, but is enjoying herself with Landmark, which is great. <coughs> Excuse me, where's the cough button? Grima, get that, will you? We'll edit it out later. Um... So, I do remember jumping off the crags of the Redstone, Redstone Loads, trying to find the, the correct location for the Blind Leaper title, and actually surviving one or two of the jumps into the crevices um, further down below. As if you jump off enough crevices in Moria, you'll find that sometimes you actually do survive those jumps. And I always think it's interesting to kind of wander around down there at the bottom of the, uh, the depths to see what you can see. In this case, uh, you know, I found some water uh, waist deep and was able to wend my way through a number of kind of sharp turns and passages uh, to explore a little bit. Didn't find any creatures down there, but there were some uneven seams, so to speak, in the, uh, in the creation of the, uh, you know, of the world down that low. I guess the devs never anticipated people might survive some of those jumps and didn't always take the time to smooth out all the rough edges around there, uh, so it did get stunk once or twice, but it was kind of neat exploring anyway. So, be that as it may, moving on, um, why are we here in Budkelbecken? Well, uh, those of you who um, who saw the podcast, those viewers that saw the podcast last week, and you know you're not viewers, there's still a fair degree of smoke pouring out over our heads into the lofty caverns of the Redstone Loads, and the foundations of stone have, at least temporarily, been rendered even more uninhabitable, uninhabitable than usual, thanks to a certain wanly-complected numbskull, who shall remain nameless. Ugh, my breath and beard, what a racket you created. Light and smoke filled the whole cavern. I could have sworn I saw the figures of Gandalf and Durin's Bane locked in mortal combat, thrashing in the waves. It, uh... 
might actually have been a um, bit of a good thing that there was not the expected crowds present. My lawyers are busy enough as it is with this whole thing of hype bold thing. And we might have to recalibrate the, the amount of black powder we borrow from the Gashi High for future events of this type. Don't smirk at me, Grima. I hate it when you smirk. Remember your servility, henchman. In any event, uh, we're hoping that we'll be able to move back to assess the damage sometime in the next few weeks, but for now we are making do and pushing on. So be that as it may, let's light our second beacon. On to Ilenach. A review of our agenda, but first it's time for CRAP, Corruption, Corrections, Retractions, and Apologies from last week. Isn't it uh, kind of ironic that you pronounce the word corrections, corruptions, corruptions, corrections? Uh, so, correction. First of all, it was pointed out by one of my viewers out there, and you know you're not a viewer, uh, that there are actually two large yard spots in a deluxe house. Well, how did I miss that as I was flipping through my yard? First of all, it's been a while since I've maintained my yard, not uh, you know encountering any new trophies for quite some time and not having any changes in the housing system. Um, so when I did go through and cycle through all the spots available in the deluxe house, um, I had, uh, there was one basically combo spot was a large yard or small yard item. And at the time I actually had a small yard item in the slot. Uh, I believe it was a haunted tree from, uh, from Bilbo's earned at some point from the fall festival. Uh, so that is, in fact, a combo spot, which can be a large, large yard spot. So um, the ominous pool will soon be placed out there, living in harmony with my Moria geode. If I could throw the geode into the ominous pool, I wonder what the tentacle would do then. That would be interesting. So thanks for pointing that out, uh, Lasuman or LSU man. Um, I'm going to call you Lasu man, uh, which sounds like some kind of lost Lossoth tribe. And uh, also from last week, I wanted to see if any of the viewers out there and, you know, caught the soundtrack movie reference from last week's fireworks explosion. Can anyone name that film? Uh, if you can, I will give you a shout out. It's another example of uh, one of my credos. Uh, always plagiarize. Name that film. Uh, it's an old favorite of mine. Um, series of films, actually starring one of my uh, favorite actors of that era, and I'll throw it out uh, that he was active in a lot of classic films in the 60s and 70s. Um, I also wanted to inform everyone that I've learned uh, recently while watching Late Night TV that Silithar rings are apparently quite commonly available at bargain prices on the Home Shopping Network. Uh, I almost lost a Quite a bundle of gold binge-watching this show in the last week, but fortunately my orders were canceled because FedElf won't ship below ground. Lucky me. Uh, viewer comment out there. Draculetta chimed in. Thanks for the note, Draculetta. He said he was surprised I could come up with even 10 good things about uh, legendary items. So I dropped him number 11. Uh, the joy you can feel from the gleeful lilt in Ethel Rose's voice and the twinkle in his eye whenever the subject arises. There we go. 11 great things about legendary items. So in this week's episode, we're going to talk a little, about, a little bit about what we've been doing in-game this week. We have a top 10 list to review, some of the grindiest grinds in all of Lotro. We're going to focus our Eye of Sauron on the Update 15 release notes and the recent producer's letter. And lastly, we will likely offend somebody somewhere about something uh, vitally important to them without feeling the slightest bit of remorse or even awareness. So let's light our third beacon. Nardal. This week in Locho and other Tokian news. But first, crack an ale. We must keep the whistle wet. And for those of you youngsters listening to the podcast, feel free to have a ginger beer. Uh, wrong IP, but that's okay. So, uh, my main brag this week, uh, not too much activity, no tanky tank calls of late. Instance runs on Vilya appear to be down a little bit. People are keeping busy, but in other ways. He did play a few games of Hobnanigans recently, or rather st stood around in the field waiting for points and rep to be rewarded while nobody did anything. Um, 
I have s decided to, when it's convenient, slowly chip away at the rep required for Habnanigans because that one empty bar in my reputation um, panel would eventually drive me crazy. So I don't know if I'll ever get there, but when it's convenient, I'll chip away. Um, mostly, Bragg has been languishing while the alts get some love. Uh, for my cappy, that would be the same. My minstrel also. And down to our lore master. Hey, tune that actually did some stuff and got some love this past week. Uh, my lore master hit 100 this morning while soloing Brog in the Blackroot Vale. Uh, Brog is the Lathbear warband that's out there. And that makes my fourth 100 level tune that is uh, now prepared for the move into Central Gondor whenever it should take place. Um, he's got some legendary item upgrades to go through, probably his staff. I may keep his book, uh, which is a level 95 first age item. And I have to decide what, if any, armor gear I'd like to replace on him. Uh, what I've been doing with my tunes is at least going to talk to Beriador in the cult in the Fountain of Dol Amroth to open up the daily quests uh, by running the four library quests in Hashadir so that if I wanted to, I could go back and uh, do the daily training exercise to earn gold tokens, um, but uh, have not really been serious about um, perpetuating that grind. More on that later with uh, my other tunes outside of Bragg, at least at this stage. So, uh, after completing the epic in Western Gondor, he returned to the West Amnet to complete uh, of Western Gondor to complete the quest of the Stone Deans and earn his last Western Rohan class trade point. Fifty quests over the course of a few days, and I have to say that this is the worst quest line in Gondor, um, in my opinion. Not because the story's uninteresting at all. There are some good themes and even some good areas here, but not since the days of traveling, traveling repeatedly between Elrond, Goladir, and Ashad Kandaleth in Volume 1 have I seen this level of idiotic redundancy in a quest progression. Uh, chime in if you know this one. Herobrand, talk to Giffamund. Giffamund, talk to Herobrand. Herobrand, talk to Giffamund. Giffamund, talk to Herobrand. Herobrand, talk to Giffamund. Giffamund, talk to Herobrand. Herobrand, talk to Giffamund. You get the idea. It had to be about half the quest in this zone, and I'm not kidding, uh, that you run back and forth across uh, the town of Woodhurst between Herobrand, who's injured in his basement, and Giffamond, who's standing in uh, kind of a storage area near the uh, southern Dunlending area. Um, maybe initially, when reading all the quest text, the impact was somewhat lessened, but upon repeated plays with my alts, it's really been exacerbated to the point of being almost absolutely ridiculous. I mean, before I even click on the guy, I know what he's going to say. Go back and talk to the other guy. Uh, now, what is good about this quest line are some of the dynamically granted quests in the Orc camp north of Brockenbridge. Uh, it's an area that's challenging and fun. The quest hub starts out in a little outpost called uh, Fledge, Fla Fledgling, Fledgling, Flood. Floodwing, something along those lines. If I had a map, I'd look it up. Oh, I do have a map. Well, I'm too lazy. Um, and uh, it sends you out to the orc camp. And as you approach the orc camp, you start to receive a number of dynamically granted quests for the area. Um, it's a good way to build up XP because, uh, you know, it's a concentrated area. Lots of mobs. I think there's probably seven or eight quests to get done, uh, you know, just working through it. And uh, it's fairly densely packed, so it's actually challenging and fun. Even as level 100 LM, I'll admit I died getting squished between true trolls at one point when I was not expecting them. And uh, uh, even my Sikkim couldn't burn them down quick enough to save me. Probably should have ran right away instead of trying to take them on. But, you know, that's the uh, conceit you get from being a lore master at this point in time. So, I also like the dynamic between the Dunlendings and the Rehirim coexisting in the town of Woodhurst. Um, the town itself is, you know, from a story standpoint, I thought that was neat. It's uh, uh, a nice tie-in that they bring um, Nona and uh, 
what's his name through there to uh, uh, you know exploring their relationship and whether it's a place they might live in the future and be able to coexist with uh, you know both of their cultures in one area. Um, the town itself is different slash unique in layout and feel from some of the other towns in Rohan, kind of built into the into the uh, side of the hill there with um, some farm areas, a nice little clustered area in the middle, and the Dunlending kind of uh, shanty town on the southern side. So it's got a different layout and feel. And who doesn't like the the guy, um, you know, throwing buckets of water and the drunk guy in the fountain? Uh, one of the the finer small touches by the devs in that region. Uh, so I did complete that and get that class all important class trait point. And uh, aside from that, I also completed my virtues on my lore master. Um, the last one I needed was uh, one point of wisdom, uh, which uh, the easiest path to acquiring it for me consisted of uh, deed slaying some orcs in the grand stair. Uh, so two solo runs with a deed accelerator got that done and also a couple other uh, related deeds in the Grand Stairs, which are always good for deeds. And, uh, you know, when deeding or questing or anythinging is an LM, Sikkim is your friend. Uh, if you're running the, um, the blue line, at least. Uh, what I found is, uh, you know, a common technique that I have when I have to get through some uh, you know, fair degree of mobs in a dense area is to herd them up as if I were a guard and they hit my sickum button. Uh, one recommendation I have when you do that is when your pets appear, always hit your direct pet button immediately to avoid wasting precious seconds from them standing around figuring out what they're supposed to do. Um, if you attack somebody, they also typically get the idea, but uh, even if you're being attacked, I found that sometimes they'll stand around unless you hit that. Um, that uh, direct pet button, which uh, causes them to uh, be aggressive towards your current target. So make sure to hit that button immediately when those uh, pets appear to maximize um, the damage output. And then um, if they become idle after killing one of the several guys that you're uh, fighting, then make sure you spring an attack against their next target to clue them in as to what they should be doing next. They're a little slow in the uptake after dropping out of the ceiling. Does anyone else notice that LM pets, when you summon them, sometimes drop out of the ceiling or out of the sky to fall beside you? <coughs> I kind of like it. Um, so the Sikkim skills I found can do a good, you know, 60 to 70k damage to a single target over the 20 seconds, somewhere in that neighborhood, I'd guess. Uh, just a, I haven't really measured it. It's just an approximation. Um, you know, what I do when uh, when they're summoned and when they're attacking is I, I, I typically, I'm sure to use... Ancient Craft as the armor debuff and any other debuff I can get my hands on to maximize uh, damage output on the target. Um, you know, so hit him with everything you got and uh, maybe drop in a Fire Lord to protect yourself in case he's still focusing on you even while he's getting, um, even while he's getting uh, ganged up on and so forth. Okay, so uh, that's what's up with my LM. Excited to get him into a few raids. Uh, again, our instances now that he's max level. Hunter, Champ, and RK, and Warden, Nerp. Got no love this week. Uh, one other general note about play is I did see an ad came out. I don't usually talk about store sales. There's other podcasts that do that. But I did see an ad come out for um, the Steed of Thorns Hall. And I have to say, I have not been tempted by a steed in a long time. But this one, my dwarf main must has. <laughs> How quintessentially dwarven the artwork is on it. Uh, I really love the look of this steed. One of the better ones I think they've come out with in quite a long time. Uh, so I still need to save some points uh, for the Bjorning class coming out in the next couple months. But I think aside from that, it might be time to splurge. And speaking of splurging, um, this segue doesn't make any sense at all, unless you're going to your next beacon. Aralas. Aralas, our fourth beacon. And for Aralas this week, we have another in our ongoing series of top 10 lists. This one is entitled, The Top 10 Grinds in Lotro. Lotro is an MMM. MMMs have grind. MMOs have grind. MMM. What the heck is an MMM? 
According to a friend of mine, it might be some kind of magic mushroom mountain in the depths of uh, the foundations of stone. But this is an MMO, for those of you who are playing one, and uh, MMOs mean grinding. It's the nature of the beast. Sometimes the grind can be fun, sometimes the grind can be grindy. Here are the top 10 grinds in Lotro. According to a uh, scientific survey that I've conducted over the last 25 years, uh, speaking with 25 focus groups and uh, referencing at least 19 tomes of professional text or stuff that I came up with in the last 10 minutes. So it may not be a complete list, and you may have some other ideas to throw in, uh, but these are the ones that occurred to me right off the bat. And our top 10 list starts out at number 12, Hobnanigans. <laughs> I haven't completed this grind, so I don't even really know how long it is to earn a chicken at this point or to get kindred rep in Hobnanigans. But since I'm not really interested in playing that much, I'm going to guess that this is going to be a terrible grind. So it's coming in at number 12. Number 11, the horsing around quest that you get. Uh, that was a preview of the Rohan expansion before it came out. Um, you uh, probably remember discovering the Descendant in order to earn the uh, favor of the Mira's healing skill uh, for your mounted combat, which is actually a very handy skill to have in mounted combat. It's come in handy for me quite a few times, um, depending on your class and whether or not you have any self-healing skills available to you on your war steed. <coughs> but accompanying that, uh, that grind for discovering the Descendant was the horsing around uh, task, which required you to do, uh, I believe is 50 of the daily quests in order to earn a title and a cloak that kind of looked like a little horsey head um, with a hood. And, uh, you know, most of the times I'm up for the grind, but I got to say this is one of the ones, even on my main, I petered out around uh, quest number 30 or so and never completed it. If I ever go back to, um, if I ever go back to the farm there, uh, you know, maybe I'll scratch out one or two here and there over time, but... Uh, more than likely, I'll just ignore it. Number 11, horsing around. Number 10, earning reputation with the All Greg and getting to Kindred. Some of you may remember the All Greg is the, uh, is the indigenous tribes that are uh, resident in Enidwaith. And uh, when Enidwaith premiered, there was quite a dearth of quests available in daily form. Uh, to earn reputation with the Allgreg. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think there were only four or five um, that consisted in that zone at that point in time, uh, one of which could be taken away if you actually made a wrong choice um, with a, an option that was given to you at Saradin's camp. Uh, if you took the wrong choice, then one of the daily quests was gated behind that choice and you were not able to access it, uh, which made it even more difficult. I do recall them, I think, easing up some of the considerations around the daily quests. Uh, I can't remember if they added tasks that also gave you rep, or if I think they added back a few more quests that uh, that gave you rep so that you could eventually get to Allgreg. All I remember is that uh, at the time, uh, one of the best, the, actually the best shield for a guardian in the game was gated behind earning kindred reputation with the Allgreg. And so I ground those daily tasks in Enidwaith every day for weeks on end until I reached that plateau and acquired that shield, which was probably promptly replaced when we got down to Isengard. Uh, but I was really proud of it at the time. All Greg Kindrig, num number 10. Number 9, Wildemore Warband Tokens. <laughs> you guys may remember this daily grind from Wildemore. Uh, I know a lot of people that elected to bypass the area, not feeling that it was an important part of Tolkien's lore. Uh, I did hear a reference today when I was listening to um, uh, when I was listening to the Lotra Reporter uh, podcast with Carrie and Leonor um, that uh, on the recent Tolkien Professor uh, podcast, when he was talking to some of the members of Turbine, uh, including Made of Lions that they referenced that the Wildermore uh, area was really um, tried to mirror in a lot of ways um, some of the themes and uh, symbology of Beowulf, which is uh, 
a topic that was very close to Tolkien's heart. I was not aware that that was a, a Beowulf reference. In, in retrospect, I can see some of the parallels of the region, um, you know, certainly in, in the people and in, in, in that story. Um, so I found that very interesting, actually, that, you know, in a way, when people thought Wildermore wasn't really closely tied to the Lord of the Rings, it was closely tied to um, a literary topic that was near and dear to Tolkien's heart and areas of study when he was a professor. So, in any event, um, at the end of the Wildermore epic, you may remember that there was quite a grind of daily tasks there, and one of the last ones that needed to be completed was to acquire a certain number of warband tokens in order to be able to earn some of the rewards from the area. And the Warband tokens, unfortunately, uh, had a ran RNG, the RNG gods controlled. Even if you killed every Warband every day, there was a pretty good chance that uh, you were only going to get maybe one or two tokens at best. Uh, there was a the higher chance on some of the higher level Warbands like Kanog, and uh, on the solo ones you might get a token, I'd say one out of every six or seven uh, war bands you took down. So I remember doing all the solo war bands or ones that were a small group, um, you know, every day for quite a period of time, and uh, you know, just calling out for groups to to finish off the three or four war bands that the war bands that took larger groups, and still that war band token um, task took weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, really should have been a higher drop rate on that. Uh, was very disappointed with at the time. That's why it was a grind. Number nine. All right, number eight. Heitbolt, Hitbolt, uh, Leonorville, whatever you want to call it. Um, Hitbolt, uh, as uh, you may remember from some of my Hitbolt episodes, took 46 straight days without any Mithril token uh, resets of the uh, aiding the East Emnet quest uh, in order to complete the full town. 46 days of uh, five quests a day, and that was too many. Um, at least it had a satisfying ending to it, though, unlike number seven, the Dull Amroth Dailies. <laughs> uh, very similar a level of uh, fatigue towards the end of that, at least uh, enough that I don't want to do it with any of my alts, at least at this point. Maybe we'll get another one through there at some point. We'll see. Okay, number six. The In-League Ale Association Dual Kindred Reputation Grind. So, as many of you may be aware, uh, during each festival, the In-League and the Ale Association open up shop for people that are interested in joining their groups. And as you earn reputation in the In-League, you get negative reput reputation with the Ale Association. And as you earn reputation with the Ale Association, you get negative reputation with the In-League, since they are at odds with one another. Um, what is interesting, though, is that the amount of rep you gain is a little more than the rep you lose from the corresponding other group. So what happens is it is possible to earn kindred in both groups if you grind hard enough, uh, because at the very end there is one quest for each that allows you to get positive reputation without negative. I believe it's the um, usually either the Shire or the Bree um, pub crawl runs, uh, which allowed you to get positive reputation without the negative ones. So running all the dailies for each group um, during a festival will allow you to slowly increase reputation in each one. Uh, you know, I think it's at a rate of, you know, I'd say for every 100 points you gain, you're losing 70 or 80. So it's really minimizing uh, the amount of benefit that you can have. Uh, but it is possible to get kindred in both, and I have done it to prove it. And I generated a lot of tokens, which I've been using at recent festivals to get rewards when I don't feel like doing festival daily grinds. Uh, but the fact that you get the negative reputation as you acquire the positive reputation does make for a long grind indeed, coming in at number six. Number five, uh, reputation in the Scholars Guild. Now... Every crafting profession is a grind in Lotro. Some of them are easier than others. Uh, but having done all of them at this point, I would probably say that the scholar reputation grind was perhaps the worst. And here's the reason. Um, particularly at lower levels, given that scholar nodes only appear around ruins, 
they're kind of uh, limited to certain areas on the map, basically. Uh, each map, depending on the type of, uh, you know, the type of terrain for a particular world area. And the more runes or structures you have, the more scholar nodes you get. But it pales in comparison to the open landscape nodes that you get if you're a forester or a prospector uh, or even a cook picking up ingredients, uh, which is, you know, probably something not a lot of people waste their time doing typically anymore, um, since you can buy the majority of them uh, from farmers. Um, but the scholars are limited, and in the lower level zones, um, what that ended up being was basically hours on end where I would take a scholar and run him around one particular set of ruins that maybe had one or two more nodes than the others that were available. And, uh, you know, typically it wasn't even constant. You'd, you'd clean all the nodes out in that area and you'd have to wait a couple minutes and let them respawn and then go back. Because typically it would only be maybe three or four that were in a tightly concentrated area. And it was not worth it to uh, fast travel or horse travel somewhere else to pick up nodes in another area and then come back. Uh, it was faster just to sit there and to wait. And so you'd burn mobs in the area, hopefully working towards a slayer deed, maybe pick up a couple chests and run around in circles and pick up scholar nodes for hours on end. Uh, you know, one example that comes to mind is um, uh, one of the first lower level ones is in Bree when you go down to... Uh, you know, the Southern Vale, south of Breetown, um, where the bandits are. It's one of the better scholar nodes. Uh, I remember in the lower, the lowlands, there's um, the, just east of Weathertop, there's a castle with uh, half-works in it. Uh, I think it's called Marinost, um, where you can run around, and there are maybe three or four scholars nodes in there, and, and so forth. Uh, I remember... Uh, in the North Downs, looting Scholar area, which is just east of the, um, the Elven settlement, um, where one of the uh, posts of Arthedane sits in the swamp area, uh, was one of the best Scholar node areas around. So, uh, you know, there's one in each zone, but they are limited, and it takes a heck of a long time. So hats off all to you, all you Scholars out there who stuck it out. Um, if you're willing to grind Scholar rep materials, uh, you can make a pretty good penny at the auction house for people that aren't willing to do it. Number four, world-renowned. Okay, so I've talked about, you know, all Greg rep, and I've talked about, uh, you know, but this is that's the only one that I've mentioned so far as far as um, faction reputations around the world. All the faction reputations take a certain amount of effort. Uh, honorable mention might go to the Lossoth reputation, which starts out as an outsider, so as uh, a level below neutral even before you start, um, as being one of the longer ones that are out there. Uh, but for world-renowned, uh, you need reputation with eight or nine factions uh, that roughly correspond to the original areas of, um, of uh, Shadows of Angmar. And uh, earning kindred rep in all of those takes quite a bit of time. Um, it was a satisfying metadeed grind for me. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed being kindred in all the areas and collecting the mounts. I did space it out over time, but there was definitely a period of months where I was very focused on it and was proud to achieve it. So that's number four. Number three, Eld Gang Rep, my old buddy. All right, for those of you who started playing in Shadows of Angmar and were active in the game at the time when Karndoom, Urugarth, and the Rift were the end game in Lotro, you probably ran the Rift a lot. You probably ran it every weekend with your friends that you could. It's one of the most amazing instances in the game. It's one of the most amazing instances uh, probably that I've ever played uh, when you do it on level with a group uh, that has to grind it out over time. It's That's why it's spoken of with such whispered tones. Uh, but by the time I joined the game and got to the level where I was eligible for the Rift, it had stopped being run, and it took me months on end looking for an opportunity where I had, oh, four or five hours to kill, and there were people that were ready to run it. Um, didn't happen for a long time. When I got in there, I was very excited. Uh, but having missed the, um, the days when the Rift was run on a regular basis, uh, I did not have an opportunity to generate a lot of L gang rep. Um, the only there's only two ways to get it: uh, run the rift, uh, pick up a couple quests that are in Ellen's camp outside the rift entrance, 
and one or two, I think, that come from Rivendell. And obviously you get uh, a couple points every time you burn down a mob in the instance. Uh, but it is slow going. And if you're not running the Rift on a regular basis, the only other way to get it is to run the Rift of Nezgashu Skirmish, which I believe uh, bestowed upon you, I want to say it was either 500 or 700 rep. And at one point, that became my skirmish of choice uh, to knock off Eldgang rep, since it was the only rep in the game that I did not have Kindred with. And I probably, at one point, ran that skirmish on the order of 60 or 70 times, <laughs> even with Deed Accelerators, to finally earn Eldgang Kindred reputation. Uh, the kick in the pants is there are absolutely no benefits. <laughs> After you reach the friend level, I think which is uh, the one that opens up the ability to interact with the Eld Gang uh, at one of the first initial camps or checkpoints within the Rift instance, um, and even maybe with the the final one in the in the uh, in the Gladiator Arena. Um, but beyond that, there are absolutely no benefits to earning uh, ally and then kindred with Eld Gang, aside from seeing that completed. Uh, reputation bar in your reputation panel. So I would love it for the game lords to go back and establish some rewards for that. That would inspire people to go back and run the rift more often. Um, even overleveled, I think that would be a great idea. So turnbine devs, pay attention. Okay, number two, the virtue grind. Uh, the grindiest of grinds of all. And this is kind of a meta grind. I don't know if it's even fair to insert it in here. But if you need uh, level 19 and at least 5 virtues, uh, that's 19, di 19 deeds times at least 5. Uh, somebody do the math. It's about 4,700 deeds you need to complete in order to get uh, 19 virtues in uh, at least 5 virtues that you're interested in. And you may need others as they shift up the importance of those virtues over time and you want to slot some in or out. Uh, you'll obviously generate a certain number of those deeds just through execution of quests and exploration in the game. But going back and finishing them off is one of the, one of the most exciting times of any Lotro player's existence. So the virtue grind coming in number two. What could possibly be bigger than the virtue grind? What is the biggest grind in all of Lotro? What could be worse than Eld Gang Rep? World Renowned, the Virtue Grind. One that probably, combined, would be as big as all the other items on my list. Those of you out there who PvP, you probably already know this one. Attaining rank 15 in the Moors. Yes, for those of you dedicated to PvP, it is the Holy Grail rank 15 and it takes so long and takes so much effort that I've heard uh, podcasts where people who attained it who said they basically with nothing else left to grind for they left the game and stopped PVPing they were so sick of it um, so I've stated in the past that I think um, the grind in the moors to achieve high ranks is uh, ridiculous levels the fact that the amount of Renown required for each successive rank is almost double that for the previous level. Uh, tends to discourage me rather than encourage me when I, uh, when I do achieve a rank. But hats off to those who stick it out and do rank 15 in the Moors. Um, it's easier than it used to be with changes that have come about in recent releases. But for those who uh, did it um, you know, with the original rule set up and without farming... Um, you know, I think it basically, you know, the first rank 15 started appearing in the game maybe four to five years into the game. And we're talking about people that played almost every day out in the moors. So hats off to the rank 15ers out there. They probably still can be counted on one and maybe two hands on most servers at most. And uh, you guys are some sick puppies. <laughs> okay, some honorable mentions. The fishing hobby. I remember that one taking quite a long time. I recommend you do it uh, while mining two chests that are available in the pond in the west of Enidwaith where you get the Fisher King title. Uh, Lossoth Rep, I've already mentioned because uh, starting out at a negative to start. Um, this one is almost as bad as rank 15 in the Moors. The, the Moors Killing Blow Deeds, uh, which as a guard I shall never attain. <laughs> um, although I think they've made it so that anyone in your group 
um, that kills a mob now, everyone gets credit for a killing blow, which might make that possible for me at some point. But most of them are way the heck out of reach, at least the upper tiers. Um, then there's a couple class deeds out there that are really tough. Uh, there's, a, there's a number of them I remember that were, you know, basically, you know, some of them you get just through the course of your general uh, combat rotation, but others you just had to focus on. Every time the cooldown came off, you hit it. If it was like a free one that didn't require combat in order to burn it down. Uh, one that I remember had somewhat legendary staglis, sta uh, status is the Burglar Hips class deed. Uh, because at one point the cooldown on hips, even with legacies or such, you know, was basically it was almost 15 minutes without legacies, and you could get it down to eight or ten minutes or something along those lines, and uh, you know, took hundreds of reps, and so basically you had to hit it every time it was available. This is a good candidate for uh, uh, you know reaching over and tapping on the keyboard when you're on a boring, boring conference call working from home, or if you're watching TV or whatever else. I've also heard that the Warden Gambit Masteries can be a pain to achieve as well. Um, and I'm sure each class has one or two skills that uh, are quite a pain to get to the end of. Uh, burglar Pickpocketing was another one I spent quite a few afternoons plunking away at. Um, and the last one that came to mind that got an honorable mention is the Hidden Emote Deeds. Uh, just because you need... Um, there's a maximum number that you can get per day. I think most of them it's like 10 per day. Uh, for um, saluting, laughing, uh, bowing, and uh, waving, or whatever the case may be. I probably got one of those wrong, but uh, in order to be able to fire breathe, sword salute, hero pose, and uh, uh, juggle, I think is one of the other ones. So, um, you know, the fact that they're, they're hidden meta deeds, so you don't know exactly where you are with them, uh, you know, makes it difficult to remember to do them. And, uh, you know, being an active kin is also a big help. Uh, the only way uh, when I was with an inactive kin where I'd make progress on these is uh, get in an instance where we're waiting for someone. And I specifically asked someone else in the party, would they mind saluting me five times, laughing at me five times, etc. And I think there are still one or two of those that I actually have not achieved. No idea how close I am. i got to be close. But I always forget to ask people to do it. And uh, so if you get a chance and you're in a party waiting around doing nothing... Uh, snap off some salutes or laugh at some folks or um, you know do some of the other uh, do some of the other emotes that might help them gain some traction against that deed and that is it for the top 10 probably 20 uh, grinds in Lotro I'm sure I missed a few since I put this list together very quickly but I think I have a good cross section here if you can think of some others I missed chime in I'd like to hear about them The Fifth Beacon, Mimrimon. Now a word from our sponsors. First sponsor is Holly Hornblower's Shire Pie Delivery Service. Rotten but quick, and they have quite a kick. Tell them the gaffer sent you to get 15% off your next delivery. Holly Hornblower's, the fastest way to get a pie in your hole. And the Sarah Okard Foundation for Slow-Moving Children, or Safemsemska. They'll be holding a walkathon from the Bree South Gates to the Bree West Gates on October 31st. The event is expected to continue daily through December 17th, at which point they will hopefully reach their destination. So keep an eye out for them in the crosswalks, and thanks for your support. Please pay Hag Walkathon pledges and donations to Sokart at AOL.com, because time is a beautiful thing to waste. Onward to our sixth beacon, Callan Had. All right, our main topic in Callan had this week. We'd like, I'd like to talk a little bit about the producer's letter content and some feedback coming in from the field on the Update 15 beta. So first, let's take a look at the release notes. And you can read these for yourself. They're out there on the forums. I just wanted to hit a few highlights in here that uh, stuck out to me for various reasons. Uh, the epic battle in Pilar gear have to say it is, I think, a smart move to premiere an offensive epic battle where you help Aragorn's forces to defeat the Corsairs at Pilar Gear. I think uh, Pelar Gear, I think, is a better pronunciation. Uh, I do think that a lot of people who are not enamored of uh, epic battles may be willing to give this one a try, uh, given that you'll have more control over your pacing 
and um, I've heard, uh, as Lotro players commented, that there's quite a bit more um, satisfaction out of the ending of the instance. Um, so it may be a good way to earn uh, epic battle points towards a class trade point if you haven't in the past, or even some jewelry. And who knows, may even, uh, once people get up a few levels in their skills, may even ignite some renewed interest in some of the Helm's Deep battles as well. So one of the things I thought was interesting is that it mentioned facing a new enemy type within the epic battle called an epic foe. Um, sounds to me like they're trying to create more opportunities for class-based combat within the epic battle by introducing an epic foe. Um, you know, it sounds somewhat like a skirmish lieutenant, probably someone that is more likely to confront the party and that, uh, you know, so killing of this foe is of particular interest towards the objectives of the epic battle, uh, which I think is a good move. So this is, uh, you know, two things they're doing to address some of the, the principal points of feedback. I want to feel more like my class when I fight an epic battle and, um, and uh, you know, I want more control over the pacing uh, using an offensive type uh, type attack. Um, it did mention new barterable rewards that were going to be available for epic battles. So again, I think that reignites interest for those who have uh, garnered all the jewelry pieces they want out of the current rewards. Um, they did show an interest in kind of renewing the rewards for epic battles. Uh, they did so with uh, update 14 to kind of change things up and looks like update 15 will be more of the same. I think that's good. And lastly, it says you'll witness the army of the dead annihilate the Corsair host. Who doesn't want to see that? Love those scenes in uh, Peter Jackson's movies where the giant green jello horde envelops uh, the uh, armies of Sauron, especially the Mumakil. All right, what else uh, stuck out? The book, um, Volume 4, Book 2, has nine chapters, including two instances and the epic battle, Pelargir. Uh, so I think the two instances are pretty much in line with what they've done with previous books. Hopefully those are compelling and available through reflecting pools with decent rewards like they did in Western Gondor. And uh, the epic battle for Pelargir... Um, is part of the epic. So I guess the problem with this that people had was in Helm's Deep, you had to buy the expansion in order to get access to those epic battles, which were part of the epic. So for the first time, um, for the first time, pieces of the epic story were not available unless you uh, were willing to pay. Um, however, since the uh, since this uh, update is not part of an expansion, uh, hopefully this epic battle will be available to all. And what else? Uh, so big news that I noticed beyond that, uh, to, talking about some smaller pieces of functionality, relic removal skulls will now remove the crafted relics just like all the other kinds. I'm very excited about this. Uh, for those who don't like creating the latest and greatest crafted relic for an area, or maybe you have, uh, you know, since there's a week-long cooldown on those, if you do another weapon, you can put the old one back in until you're able to create the latest and greatest from that area or region. Um, some cases that may or may not be, you know, worth the extra time or or um, or materials to do so. But uh, I think this was uh, this was a good move. Um, it doesn't really cost um, turbine anything. Matter of fact, it uh, it incents people to go out and acquire relic removal scrolls, which are available in the store uh, or the skirmish camp. I should mention. Uh, so uh, makes them more valuable and I think more likely for people to purchase. Um, I did also note they mentioned that gold tokens of the Ritter Mark awarded through Riders of Rohan uh, deeds can now be exchanged for 50 silver tokens. So as I remember, the gold tokens were uh, used for some of the jewelry pieces coming out of there, and if you've moved on to other zones, um, you, know, you may not uh, may not be interested in that jewelry anymore, so if you have gold tokens left over, it's nice for some of the older areas that they... Uh, give you an opportunity to trade them in for silver, which can be used for something which might be uh, of more value so that you can use up those tokens that tend to sit around in your wallet. And uh, noted a number of class updates. I read through those for the Guardian, Hunter, Runekeeper, and Warden. There wasn't anything in there that really stood out to me as uh, you know being big impact, but uh, it's nice to see that they're 
continuing to make small refines at least. Uh, same comment regarding Monster Play. It's always nice to know they're at least looking at Monster Play with uh, a few small items here and there. Uh, it's not a long list, but it's something. Uh, there are a number of quest item fixes. Nothing in there really stood out to me. Um, there are a number of plug-in fixes. Uh, glad to see that Lou is uh, getting some love, at least in in uh, maintaining the base of what's out there and available. Um, one thing I did note is that they were extending the Lua plugin support to the Bjorning class, which is nice that you'll be able to do some things with them that you're able to do with the other classes in the game. So uh, well done, Turbine, remembering that dimension of the, uh, the class addition. Um, Next, uh, there was a section talking about epic battle skirmishes, instances, and raids. Um, you can the first note there: retaking Dol Amroth Swamp Knight's quest. Wounded in action, injured soldiers no longer spawn inside or on top of geometry. Okay, so here's another example of uh, clearly the Light the Beacons podcast reaching the ears of the devs and then taking swift and holy action to address. So glad my last episode had that kind of impact. Um, you can send gifts, thank yous, and plaudits to my usual contact information. Um, I did note that uh, the instance for Lords of the Easter Met and Battle for Hitbold had been added to the Snowborn Reflecting Pool. Uh, I believe the Battle for Hitbold was the final capstone instance that occurred as uh, you're finishing up the Hitbold dailies. So uh, I was actually excited to see that. I might go back and experience that again in the reflecting pool at some point in time. Um, and then lastly, I did notice that they were giving some love to raid skirmish quests in terms of the loot that's being bestowed and problems with the chests and raid skirmishes. So scrades have not been executed with as much regularity uh, as they have been in the past, at least on Vilia, uh, I've noticed. Uh, this may be a good part of the reason why they haven't been conducted as much. So hopefully that'll rectify it and people will be interested in going through and running those again. If, uh, as, as I've said again and again in the past, if you build the rewards, they will come. Uh, there were some updates to item sets, hobnanigans, thank goodness, user interface, etc., etc., etc. Gloria Tus Epic Ella Possum. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the wrong movie. Better crack an ale. Okay, then moving on to Rowan's producer letter. Um, hello all, I'm Aaron Rowan Campbell, executive producer of Lord of the Rings Online. That's not my Aaron Rowan Campbell voice. I'm sure he doesn't sound like that. He might, but you never know. So what did I want to mention here? I'm not going to read it to you. Again, I'll just pick out a few snippets that struck my eye. Uh, Central Gondor. New quests are available as you drive back the Corsairs, Harodrim, and half-trolls who now pillage the shores of Gondor. Two things that stick out to me. First of all, what kind of rewards are we going to be getting from these quests? Because if you're doing them with tunes that have already reached level 100, you're not interested in the XP... So I am interested in seeing how they're going to incent players to do the quests in the area. I'm thinking, obviously, they'll have some kind of uh, new currency that you can accumulate for rewards. And hopefully the rewards are worthwhile. Uh, the second thing that struck me in this quest, in this text, was half trolls? What? What, what? What is a half troll? <laughs> What what exactly did the troll have sex with in order to produce half troll? Okay, so we've had half orcs in the past. Now we have half trolls. Really interested in seeing what the half trolls look like. Uh, pity build creatures, I am sure. Uh, they're pillaging the shores of Gondor, though, so they must be slain. Uh, Pelargir epic battle, etc., etc., etc. Uh, legendary item updates not in the list currently slated to coincide with Lotro's 8th anniversary update in April of 2015 so what I've seen in the forums is that there's one piece of information which is all important which everybody seems very interested in at this point which I have not heard a direct response to which is will you be able to imbue level 100 items um, the ones that people are grinding so hard for now first age weapons because if you can't, people are going to skip it. Um, I know a lot of people that are not willing to put the effort into the level 100 items unless they know it's the last time they're going to have to do it. 
and I have not heard Turbine respond as of yet on whether the imbuement will be available on level 100 items that have already been garnered or only moving forward after the release. So that's a piece of information I think I think Turbine should provide um, because people are very interested and it does impact their gameplay. Uh, also coming in 2015, Osgiliath. We knew that. I'm excited for Osgiliath. I think it's going to be cool to see an extensive city of ruins uh, for an environmental area. I'd also love to see them make it a new PvP map, which has been discussed in the past. No mention of that in the latest letter from Rowan, but I'm not going to give up hope on it. Um, what I did note is they say, expect new adventures as you journey along the Anduin. So, as I listened to Lotra players this week, there was a video segment done by Ethelrose, Sithrith, and Andang, uh, speculating on how areas will be introduced to the game over the next two years, as well as beyond. And one of the problems that they see with the announced Osgiliath rollout is that... Um, how can you bypass Minas Tirith to go to Giliath when it's really it's basically right in the path from southern Gondor uh, towards towards us Giliath? And I think the answer is that we'll be journeying along the Anduin, uh, either by boat or somehow uh, along the front of the river, um, so that uh, you know maybe with a, a high embankment, so that we can't venture into. Uh, northward and striking out for Minas Tirith. So somehow I think they're going to restrict our route to hugging the river until they're ready for us to approach Minas Tirith. That's my best my best speculation on how Minas Tirith is going to be available. Excuse me. Ah, uh, better. Um, lastly, Minas Tirith, the largest structure we've ever placed in Middle Earth. Very excited to hear that. I don't think that is includes the entire complex of Moria, but um, hopefully it uh, far surpasses you know the largest structures I can think of, which would be Anumanos, Karndum, Barad Guleron, um, the fortress in Mirkwood. Fortress in Mirkwood is pretty huge. It's mighty empty, but it's pretty darn huge. So if Minas Tirith dwarfs that uh, as it should, I'll be pretty excited. Trying to think of what other monolithic Orthanc, obviously, um, yeah, even though the surrounding area was basically a giant wall. So uh, it's fun to think about the scope and scale of what may be available, and I hope the city is as vertical as it should be promised. Should be fun to navigate. Um, images come to mind of Gandalf riding up through the passages of Ms. Tirith on Shadowfax. Uh, rising to each tier until he came out on the platform, which was topped with what looked like a giant church at the time, including flying buttresses. So we'll see if the flying buttress is employed in Minas Tirith. Not sure Tokian lore supports it, but something has to. Uh, and lastly, there are many other areas that we continue to invest in, such as roving threats, a new type of challenge for fellowships in central Gondor. Okay, who didn't read this and immediately say, what the heck is the difference between a roving threat and a warband? A warband is, by definition, a roving threat. So I like that they're introducing a new mechanic. Um, the term roving threat really seems forced. You know, why don't they say they're expanding the warband system to include new mechanics that are perhaps more challenging for groups? I think that, uh, you know, maybe this is some kind of instanced area, uh, you know, like a live event would be in Rift or something along those lines. Uh, I am intrigued. I'll say that. I think if they added extra dimensions to warbands that actually required more coordination from attacking parties than just riding in circles around it and pelting it, um, I would I would be intrigued as to how they're going to advance that. So... Um, they do need group content in Central Gondor. We know we're only getting an epic battle and no new instances at this point. So um, excited that they're providing some new dimensions in group content. Hopefully it takes the lessons to they've learned from what people are looking for in group content uh, and adds some depth to the challenge beyond it just being tank and mounted spank. Uh, lastly, here's another hope, glimpse of hope on the horizon. 
Um, I took this from a foreign, a forum uh, thread that happened a number of weeks ago. Uh, Rowan piped in on the uh, forum when people were talking about some of the content that was coming. And he said, we have separate updates in mind for the Siege of Minas Tirith and the Battle of the Pelennor Fields. So I'm not worried about missing major items there. Epic Battles may not be the only format. I expect us to use the right tool for the right job, whether that's Epic Battle, Landscape Quest, Instance, Skirmish, etc. Uh, so the comment goes on. Let's see if there's anything else in here that I'd mention. Uh, so I think the two things I took away from this are the fact that uh, despite the fact that all this content is happening over the course of just a select couple days, um, they're not going to rush it. <laughs> uh, I think they're going to do whatever they can to allow us to experience as many dimensions of the story that are happening in parallel as possible, uh, which I am very excited for. You know, I know that the time is advancing in the game. Uh, much more slowly than it is in the stories, but I support that approach. Um, lore be damned, there's too much great stuff going on for us to try to all sink it into one day and have us miss half of it. So I, I applaud any efforts they can do to be creative, uh, to have us experience as many dimensions of these next the three most exciting days in Tokyo lore, perhaps, um, that, are, that are coming up uh, with the new updates. The second is, obviously, um, they have used this refrain in the past, use the right tool for the right job. Uh, they felt mounted combat was the right tool for the right job to tell the story of Rohan. And I agree with them. Mounted combat can be fun. Tons of problems with the system. It's not 100% fixed. It's not perfect. But I can't imagine doing Rohan without, without mounted combat. I feel it was the right decision. Um, feel they eventually got things right enough that it could actually be fun to do in certain circumstances. So I applaud that. Uh, epic battles for Helm's Deep. Uh, the right tool for the right job. Are they fun enough for everybody to say they don't miss instances or raids? Of course not. But I do feel they tried to tell the story in the most faithful ways possible and creating they were not afraid to create a new mechanic in order to do that and try something new and different. So again, Applaud them for being brave and trying to do the right thing. Implementation could use, you know, a little help in some cases, but epic battles continue to be continue to be tweaked. New one coming out that might be more exciting to players that haven't liked them in the past. Continue to develop the system. I believe that there are going to be instances and skirmishes coming up in the future. I believe that the the comments they've made in the past about getting away from those and perhaps never doing those again uh, was premature. And Rowan is riding the ship. That's where my money lies at this point. I believe there are instances uh, told by, you know, there are aspects of Tokyo's story which clearly could be skirmishes or instances. And I'm going to entrust the team to do that. What I don't think they're going to be willing to do is to put an instance cluster at the end of uh, an update, since they won't be having expansions, at least for now, going forward. Um, because it's not going to be worth their while. But if they're able to introduce even one or two new instances or a new skirmish uh, with an update that comes out so that we get a few new ones a year trickling in, it's not going to thrill the people that enjoy the raid clusters in the past, but it could keep them interested enough to uh, have them come, keep coming back to the game at least sporadically. Uh, and I'm hopeful that that will continue as well. Um, it sounds like they're open to the possibility. So... Take that for what it's worth. And what it's worth at this point is getting to our final beacon. Halifurian. Time for blessed relief. Time to crack another ale or ginger beer. Brings us to the end of the 18th episode of Light the Beacons. We can now officially be drafted and vote. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedbacks, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's Bragg with two A's. The second A stands for Aqualung. On Facebook or Twitter at Bragg Son of Balan or on my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I love it when you do. Love you viewers. And you know that I love you. And I kindly request that you take the time to create an iTunes review if perchance you're so inclined. I would very much appreciate it. 
your comments incite me to forego my dwarven apathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond to them in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you have learned at least a little something you didn't know about before or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week this week in Middle Earth. This is Bragg, son of Balan, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, the next time you drink from the in-league keg and wake up pantsless in the Breetown jail, if your jailer's name is not Leonor, don't despair. Just light those beacons, baby. Ah, the music of Forshell. Oh, I'm sorry, Forkel. Or for hell for those of you out there. One thing I enjoy doing as a level 100 guard in Forkel nowadays is swimming out into the center of the bay. Which was never an option that was available to you at level 60. 75 you might be able to get pretty far out, but eventually you'd perish. Level 100, I can swim to my heart's content, watching the thousand damage per second tick off and immediately get healed by my non-combat morale regeneration, allows me to explore this lake like it's never meant to be explored before. And what I found over time is there are some seams in here that you can hit, which can cause insta-death. So. Apparently the devs, figuring nobody would ever be out here, uh, didn't exactly knit the area together in a way that made it safe for exploration. Who can blame them? And there I go. <laughs> At coordinates 19.2 north and 90.4 west, I found an insta-death scene, which has ended my uh, my little swim in the in the Bay of Four Shell for this evening. So we'll be retreating. And joining you next week, let those begin.